Hey, everybody, real quick, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the show and being a part of my journey as uh, I'm going through this uh, crazy thing called life. Uh, But first of all, I also wanted to basically say that the reason why I'm doing these episodes, these last two that I did, the one with uh, Dr. Hirshhorn, is not because I'm anti-vax, because I'm not. I am vaccine hesitant and the reason why is because of what i'm listening to and the the medical researchers the other doctors like dr uh robert malone um you know and and plenty of other ones that i've been listening to that are saying you know some of the risks and and some of the other things that are are coming on the back side of of these uh vaccines so like I said, I, I have no issues with anybody who who wants to take the vaccine or wants to do whatever it is that they need to do that they feel is right for them and their family. And, and likewise, on this side, you know, I don't feel comfortable with it at this point. Um, you know, one, it's not FDA approved, but even when the approval does come, I still have some some questions about it and and hesitancy so uh basically what i'm doing is is letting you in on what i'm listening to and directing you to kind of where i've gone to get some of my information and if you're a doctor that's listening to this or somebody who knows a medical professional that you know can show the flip side of this you know why this information that I'm getting isn't correct, or if they can dispute it in any way, please feel free to have them uh, reach out to me, uh, nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. And I would be more than happy to have them on the show and, and listen to their perspective as well. I'm open to hearing things, you know, I mean, I'm not one side, this side, that side. It's like, show me the information. Let me listen to it. And, you know, let me make my own decision. Uh, on, on the other side of this too, if, if somebody knows somebody who has had an injury because of a vaccine, any of the ones that, you know, the Pfizer, Moderna, uh, Johnson and Johnson, you know, any of these vaccines that are out, if you know somebody, uh, that has been injured or a family member of somebody who has been injured from a vaccine, please have them reach out to me as well. Uh, if they'd like to tell their story, I'd like to hear what they have to say. Uh, and again, that is uh, at nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com. And this episode that I'm, I'm letting out right now, this one actually got removed from YouTube. Probably it was, uh, it got removed from YouTube about four hours, to four to six hours after it was, it, it, it was live streamed. And, you know, the only thing that we're talking about in there is, uh, you know, how the blood clots, uh, that they're seeing in the, uh, in the blood, the micro clots that they're finding in, in, after doing a D dimer blood test, blood testing, uh, they're finding these micro clots, uh, within the blood itself. And that's what we're talking about, you know, and it's just for whatever reason, you know, I, it got, uh, dinged for, uh, medical misinformation, which is, you know, it's coming out in studies and, and stuff like this. So, um, 
hopefully it doesn't get removed from here. I'm not going to put it back up on YouTube. Uh, the the audio version I'm not going to release on there. So yeah, I, I hope you enjoy the show. I just had to put that out there. You know, don't 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 take this as I'm trying to you know put out information against it. I just think that everybody should have all sides, and I'd like to have all sides, and that's why I'm I'm inviting. Any doctor out there that can dispute anything that's being said on 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 uh, episode number one thirty seven or one thirty eight, if you can dispute it, please. I mean, bring your bring your your studies and your uh, your information uh, over here, and and let's have a conversation. So, with that, enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Uh, first of all, let me give you guys a little bit of an update. Uh, it's been about, I'd say, a little over a month, maybe not quite two months, but a little bit over a month since I've published anything, uh, either on this show, uh, the live stream, or the uh, the podcast itself. And the reason being is, is that I went back to work and you know, working full time, twelve hours, you know, dedicated to that job. Uh, and then coming home, trying to find that balance of, you know, how to create this, this content and also that and be a, you know, a dad and, and all these things. It's been a little bit, um, I've been struggling with it. I got to be honest with you. You know, I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. I mean, I'm still consuming content and listening to my normal things. And I was watching a Union of the Unwanted uh, episode with a round table of doctors. And I just, some of the information that's coming out and some of the other things that are, that are out there and, you know, not really understanding like where we're at and, you know, how to understand and, and, and navigate through these uh, strange times. I felt that it was really important that I brought back uh Dr. Joel Hirschhorn, who was previously on the show back in May, talking about some of the early um, treatment protocols that were being um, basically blocked by Fauci. And, you know, with this new uh, variant out there and, and all of the misinformation and disinformation and everything that's a part of what we're going through, and it seems to be a new normal, I just felt like I had to have somebody on to kind of walk me through the things that I don't understand and answer some of the questions that I may have. And although Dr. Hirschhorn is a PhD and not a medical doctor, he is a medical researcher. So he has ties to Johns Hopkins, a lot of different uh, places that are reputable. He's got impeccable uh, credentials and I trust what he says. And so we are going to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Uh, I'm going to do the intro, and uh, we'll start this this uh, conversation. Um, but a little bit more about you know the update on on the show. It will continue to go. Um, I will find a way to to make it happen. Um, so this is the second part of the first conversation that me and uh, Dr. Hirschhorn had, and those are be the next two episodes that get released on the podcast episode itself. So it's going to be episode one and two, back to back. That's what I'm shooting for, and that's what I want to do. So uh, we will be back in just a moment after these messages. So thank you. 
Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a long-time methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Hey, Dr. Hershorn, how you doing? Hi there. Hi there. How's it going? Well, pretty good. I continue to spend many hours a day uh, researching, reading the medical literature, because there's so much going on, and most of my recent time has been looking at the bad side effect of the COVID experimental vaccines. Yeah, that's kind of why I had you come back and and thank you uh, for for coming so quickly because i just reached out to you yesterday and we got this happening today so i appreciate you um you know making the time and being able to do this rather quickly so thanks sure uh i watched you on the union of the unwanted uh that that uh panel of doctors uh with uh dr malone um who was actually one of the inventors of the mrna uh, technology, correct? Yes. Now, when I say that, he he was a part of it before it got turned into what it is now, right? Absolutely correct. Okay, so you know, when I was listening to him, he was he was stating that, you know, oops, he was stating that, you know, most of the. Like, he doesn't understand, he doesn't know anything about what they've put into it after, you know, they use that technology. Is that correct? That's basically true. And I don't think he ever could have anticipated what putting uh, a lot of what we call spike proteins into people's bodies. <clears throat> what would be the consequences of doing that? Okay. And I want to emphasize that all four of the major vaccines put, create spike protein molecules, let's say, into your body. And now what I've been studying and what Malone could not have anticipated is that we have a lot of blood problems. People are literally dying every day. This is not being covered by the mainstream press. The information is actually being suppressed. But we have seen huge numbers of people usually dying within a few days of one of these vaccine shots. And by the way, again, all four, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, have all been now shown in various studies and all kinds of examples, all have caused blood problems. And I can explain, if you want, exactly in simple terms, what these blood problems are, because I think people need to understand what's going on here. 
And those are the blood clots that you're talking about, right? Like the micro clots and the, the yes. bigger ones that are forming? Yes, there's two types. One is microscopic, which importantly cannot be discovered through ordinary scans, okay? You know, with all of these high technology stuff out there, uh, the scans cannot find the microscopic blood clots. They can find big blood clots. <clears throat> but what I want to emphasize, when you get blood clots, what does that mean? It means that the normal platelets in your bloodstream, platelets are critical because when you get a cut or an injury, the platelets help stop the bleeding. But these vaccines are causing blood clots. And what the blood clots do is they drain, they consume the platelets from your bloodstream. And now you've got a serious problem because that very low platelet count, which can be measured, okay, by laboratory tests, that's what's causing brain bleeds, hemorrhaging, strokes. So it's not the clocks, the clots themselves, the big ones, can cause immediate problems. But uh, what I think Dr. Hoff in Canada showed and what Dr. Cole in Utah has shown is that these microscopic blood clots throughout the body, throughout all the major organs, okay, we're not sure at this point what the long-term consequences of those microscopic blood clots are. Most of the case studies in the literature uh, that I read uh, are from the bigger blood clots. And by the way, I, I want to emphasize this, and, and I, nobody else talks about this. The first sign of the blood clot blood problem from vaccines started in February of this year. It was about a month or so or two after they started to give the vaccine shots, okay? And then there were some, a couple of stories, not many stories, one big story out of Miami, Florida, because it was a relatively young physician who had taken the Pfizer shot and within days had to go to the emergency room. And what did they discover? He had basically a zero blood platelet count. And he died soon after, basically, of, of a what we call a brain bleed, okay? Healthy young doctor, a physician. <laughs> and this is, if you read the stories, and there are some great websites, and uh, two that I always go to every day myself, where you can read all of these hundreds and hundreds uh, you can see the videos of all of these accounts of people who have died or suffered other problems because of the blood issue. So for me, I think this is, Sean, I think this is the Achilles heel of the COVID experimental vaccine whole thing. And they're going to keep pushing the propaganda. They're going to keep coercing people to get the shots. But I'm my prediction is in the months and maybe years ahead, the blood issue will eventually destroy the credibility and use of these COVID vaccines. 
Yeah, when I was reading that article that you sent to me um, that you wrote for, and let me pull it up here. I'll share screen. Um, and so you write for like four, you said four four different publications? Yeah. Yeah, that's the newest one. Um, yeah. And and what I read in this is that part of the problem is is that the, the, the cells are, are smooth, right? Are, normally they're supposed to be smooth and they just flow through the blood, but these these uh, spikes are the other, the other way around. The the blood flows through smooth vessels, blood vessels. Yeah. And what the problem is is that the spike is is sticking out and it's causing it to kind of you know stick in place and sort of cause like a, a, a like a like a log jam, I guess, right? Yes, and so you start to form. <clears throat> the blood clots, okay? And the blood clots, again, I want to emphasize, <clears throat> they consume the platelets. So then you have blood flowing through your body, through vessels that are no longer smooth, clots all over the place. And the big problem is in the brain, is, is the cerebral uh, blood clotting, because that's what people, a lot of people are dying from. It's It's strokes or it's, what we call brain bleeds, all right? And that will kill you. That is, of all the situations, the medical situations, the brain, the cerebral ones, are the most serious. And, and, and now there's research coming from all over the place, even more than I, I put in this recent article, because the stuff keeps getting published. Uh, great research out of the United Kingdom just came out days ago. Uh, showing, and they, they did a most ingenious study in, in, in the UK, and they had to look at hundreds or thousands of medical records, and they created two groups. One group were people who had brain bleeds, brain problems, who that was caused by the vaccine, and they could prove that it was caused by a COVID vaccine. But then they had enough medical records so that they had a control group, okay? These were people who also had the brain bleed problem, but it was not caused by vaccines. Because you can get these this brain problems for other reasons. But what they discovered was that the, the group of patients that were connected to being caused by the vaccines were dying faster, had more more problems in the hospital, more serious medical problems, more difficult to treat. So this was like this controlled study, ingenious actually, that just showed how bad this this vaccine-induced blood clotting platelet consumption problem really is. So... You can't even really call this a vaccine in the in in the true no. nature of what a vaccine is, right? So this is actually an inoculation. That's what I've been calling it. Well, you know what? And here's what I keep saying that people need to understand: when you think of a, a, a kind of normal vaccine to deal with a virus or a bacterial infection, you would think that the vaccine is killing, directly killing, the vaccine particles or the bacteria. That's causing the medical condition. These vaccines do not kill the COVID virus. That's why the government is admitting 
that people who get the COVID vaccinations still can pass on the virus, still can get new COVID virus into their bodies. And why? What are we seeing in vaccinated people? The other big problem besides the blood problem is what we call breakthrough infections. Okay? So now we have all of these. It's crazy. It's insane. People who are vaccinated, not only are they told to be wearing masks and and all the other crazy stuff going on, but they're getting breakthrough infections. I mean, (laughs) they're getting COVID infections anew. And, And this is happening to a remarkable degree, actually. That's why now, what do you hear in the, in the mainstream news media? They want you to get booster shots, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the first vaccine shot, whether it be Pfizer or Moderna, doesn't matter, they're not working all that well, okay? So you're getting the breakthrough infections. And when you look at data from Israel or the UK, they're being more honest because their data is showing that most of the people who are getting really ill from breakthrough infections and have to go to the hospital, they may be 40-50% of the people that are going into hospitals. And by the way, people with breakthrough infections, these are vaccinated people, are dying. Okay? They are dying from the breakthrough infections. And this is just absolutely insanity when you step back and think about what are we doing here? You know, Peter McCullough made a great point, a great doctor from Texas, and he said this months ago. He said that if Fauci and the government had been smart when they thought about using vaccines, they would have only used the COVID uh, vaccines for maybe 20 million Americans. That's all. Why 20 million? Because what McCullough was looking at who are the high-risk people in terms of COVID-19 infection? And these were the very elderly, above 70 years old, with serious other diseases and comorbidities, okay? These uh, could have been healthcare workers, perhaps. Uh, but there was a relatively small fraction of the American population. And you got to look at what we call risk-benefit ratio. The risk of the vaccines, okay, health impacts of the vaccines, versus the benefit of getting vaccinated. So what McCullough was saying as a great physician was that, yes, there was a small fraction of the American population out of 330 million, maybe 20 million, where the benefits of getting vaccinated were pretty high relative to the risks, which we know are many now. But for most people, people under 70, especially children, Mm -hmm. the the risk-benefit ratio is nuts. There's nothing but high risk and hardly any benefit at all because when you look at all of the CDC statistics, children don't have serious COVID-19 infections. Dr. Makari from Johns Hopkins dug deep into all the deaths attributed to children, and none of them had died. And by the way, the numbers were not large. I think it was just maybe less than 100, I forget now. But what he discovered was that all of the children whose deaths were attributed to COVID-19 had not died from the infection. They had all died primarily 
because they had like cancer and other serious diseases. These were children. So when you look at what we call risk-benefit ratio, it's only when you get to the elderly particularly uh, or young people with very serious comorbidities, maybe very serious obesity, serious diabetes, then, okay, you can say, well, there's maybe enough benefit to take on the risk of the vaccine. But what I want to emphasize to you and what my new publications are showing is that the vaccine risks are greater than what the government has ever acknowledged. By the way, there is no great acknowledgement uh, by the government of the blood risks, okay? Mm -hmm. The blood clotting, the loss of blood platelets, discovered initially, by the way, I went back and read the original stuff in February. I was amazed, especially with the Miami doctor who died, because they didn't know how to treat these conditions when they first started to pop up. These people were showing up with hardly any platelet counts. They weren't even, they didn't have enough time in the emergency rooms to do all the testing to find what were their clots. But the easiest thing to measure medically in terms of testing, was that, bang, you can find out almost immediately whether somebody has an extremely low platelet count. So that's such an easy test to do. And the thing about, uh, I love to talk about the Canadian doctor um, who discovered the microscopic clots. How did he discover that? 60 to his patients, 62%. He discovered through a blood test that anyone could get from, if a doctor ordered it. It's called the D-dimer test. And what that blood test discovers is whether you have a lot of clotting in your body. Hardly any doctors are doing the D-dimer test. The CDC, NIH, are they telling doctors to do the D-dimer test? No. Are they telling doctors to do platelet Yes? No. So the government is, is basically ignoring the, the blood issues, okay? And I think, other than the breakthrough infections, which are serious, I think the blood issues. And the best research, I can tell you, because every day I spend hours and hours on this, the best research is coming out of Germany and the United Kingdom. It's not coming out of people doing medical research in the United States. And if they're doing the research, will they talk about it publicly? I don't know whether you know about this, Sean, but the esteemed Dr. McCullough in Texas is now being sued for a million dollars. He's lost one of his big hospital positions. The same happened with the doctor in Canada. He lost his hospital position. I can think of a bunch of doctors now uh, uh, Corey in the United States, he lost the hospital position. Yeah, what so, about uh, Simone, Gold? Simone Gold? Well, yeah, she has suffered, but she's got a lot of power now because she's the head of, an, of a successful organization. She's both a physician and a lawyer. So she's no, she knows what she's doing. I think it's a great organization. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I like to be part of that. I like to help promote it. And by the way, it's one of two uh, organizations. You can go to their websites. And, you know, I wrote my book originally because I wanted to advocate early treatment for COVID-19 infection, the use of cheap generic drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, which, and now, by the way, just days ago, 
uh, Sean, I think three days ago, the newest publication came out, uh, a controlled study showing that ivermectin works. Not that we needed another study, but I know the people who did this, and it was one of these control uh, kind of testing, very sophisticated. Again, positive results for using. So here we have two cheap generics, fully approved by the FDA, whereas the experimental COVID vaccines are not approved by the FDA, okay? We have this, again, a kind of insanity going on where the government has prevented the use of the cheap treatment generics, both to cure COVID, and I want to emphasize the work of Zelenko and others who have shown that these uh, generics also act as a prophylactic so they help if you keep continue to take it at a low dose, it will prevent you from getting COVID, okay? So that's an alternative medically to the vaccines. So we have different alternatives to the whole push for vaccines. We have early treatment, and then we have, you know, prophylactic use of the generics, okay? And we have to also add in the people who have great natural immunity. And all of the research, and, and Zelenko and others have noted this, that the, you get natural immunity if you have a COVID-19 infection without serious health impacts. And by the way, something like 99.8% of the people who get infected do not have serious health impacts. So what they get out of getting infected is natural immunity. That natural immunity, and here's what's the most amazing scientific finding. That natural immunity is more effective against the variants, the variants that you hear about, okay, from the COVID-19 virus, okay? The natural immunity is more effective. These vaccines that produce an artificial immunity, here's what is striking. They don't work as well on the new variants, okay? That's why you're getting breakthrough infections in vaccinated people. So the more you understand about what's really going on, you know, Fauci used to say, follow the science. There, none of the people in government, CDC, FDA, NIH, they're ignoring the science. They're not following the science, okay? Mainstream news media, not following the science. They're suppressing the real scientific information that people like me, I can read the medical journals, you know, I can follow this very closely. The mainstream media, I can't believe the blood issue itself should be like headline news in newspapers and on, on, on TV news, main, uh, news channels. Because this is like, you get a vaccine shot, this is like Russian roulette. <laughs> How do you know whether or not you're going to get blood clotting, and low platelet count. I, I have to say the, what the research has not discovered yet is what what is there about some people? It obviously is not happening to all people who get vaccinated. So there's something in the human body, and we haven't quite figured it out yet, but some people are vulnerable. And that's what we need to... Now, every article that I read, every research article I read that is about the blood problem, sure, you never... <laughs> you probably won't 
and you'll, you might laugh at this, at the end of every article, there is a sentence or a paragraph, every article, mind you, that says, all right, we've just, you know, discussed and shown you the results of the blood problem, but in reality, statistically, relatively few people uh, are having this problem. Therefore, we still advocate you taking the COVID vaccination. Every article, because all of these articles are being written by mainstream physicians, okay? That's how they're getting published. So <laughs> every article ends up saying, well, okay, these people are dying. We just told you about it, uh, but keep getting vaccinated. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. Yeah, it is really crazy stuff. And everything that you just you know mentioned is uh, is yeah, it would it would have anybody shaking their head or scratching their head and just going like like where where am I? I think what kind of a bizarro world am I living in right now, where none of this stuff is is you know uh, it seems real. And I have you muted because the echo. So when uh, when I'm done talking, I'll I'll unmute you so I don't come through as an echo through yours since you're not uh, wearing knees. So that's kind of a workaround around that. So people, you're not going to hear him laugh if I say something funny. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so there were some other things that I, I wanted to ask you as well. And, you know, the whole vaccine thing, it's not a vaccine. We just talked about that. Um, we don't know how dangerous those microscopic clots are going to be over time. Like I know my grand, my, one of my aunts died of a brain aneurysm just out of nowhere. And so I think that I have that, you know, that's possible in my lineage, right? That, you know, in my genes that that could happen to me as well. And so that's another reason why I haven't taken it. I know that you, you haven't, you did take the vaccine. And I remember you saying that, in in the union of the unwanted in that uh, thing that that you have some regret and for those of you who want to see what i'm talking about the union of the unwanted episode it's actually in the uh description of this um of this conversation so the direct link you can go straight there and, and listen to whatever i'm talking about when it comes to that so uh, tell me a little bit about that and why you feel uh like you're having uh what do they call that uh remorse Yes, and, and uh, Dr. Zelenko is the only one who openly talks about this because I think he feels bad, too, <laughs> that that he may have given people, you know, vaccinations and now he has regret. And I, as someone who got the, uh, I got the Moderna vaccine early on, I, back in January, um, because of my connection to Hopkins, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I have regret. I, I wouldn't do it today. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Seeing all the research that I've seen, and my wife and I have discussed this, we both look at each other. Would we take a booster shot of the same vaccine? No way. No way. I, I would wait until maybe they will develop a vaccine that does not involve, and this is the key point, that does not involve filling your body with spike proteins, Okay. That's the killer here. It's the spike proteins. I, and I, I just give you a little science. The, the Moderna and Pfizer, they inject directly into you spike proteins, okay? And then they, whatever they put into you in the shot goes throughout your body. The other two vaccines that people may hear about, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, they were developed 
scientifically a little differently, but what they do, they send in something into your blood, okay, that causes your cells to produce spike proteins. So it's not, it's an indirect creation of spike proteins in your body. So all four of the major ones, I haven't looked into the Chinese or the Russian vaccines. The odds are they do the same thing. And it's the spike proteins that I want to avoid. I I feel lucky and my wife feels lucky. She got Pfizer, I got Moderna. And, uh, you know, we feel lucky that we haven't died, that we haven't had so far. But I, I want to get the, your point about Dr. Hoff in Canada and uh, confirmed by Dr. Cole in Utah and also talked about by Dr. McCullough, the microscopic blood clots. I may have those. My wife might have those. And we don't know the long-term effects of those microscopic blood clots. They may not be serious enough in one sense to knock your platelet count down, but they in the long run may be causing serious medical problems. That's what we don't know. We the, the big research studies that I keep reading, they have they've looked at sort of the large blood clot problem. We haven't seen a lot of research or any real significant research on what are the medical impacts of the microscopic blood clots. They may not the impacts may not happen quickly. They may happen over months or years. So my prediction, I'm, I'm I go out on the limb and I'm telling you, and I've I have a a 40 or 50 year good record of making good forecasts about all kinds of things. And I'm forecasting in the months or years ahead, the blood problem issue will destroy the credibility and use of these COVID vaccines based on spike proteins. So as, as, I guess my next question would be is, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, all of this stuff and, and the things that aren't coming out and, you know, being demonized. And, you know, we couldn't even talk about we could, you couldn't even say ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, you know, a year ago without being canceled or kicked off of social media. Now it's, you know, completely different. It's a, a, a complete 360 reverse on it. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff. My question is, and, and I know you can't you can't say because none of us can predict anything, right? Um, but with what you've seen and, and all of the, the whatever anything points to, my question is why? You know, why? <laughs> well, I, get, I can only give one answer to why. And that, and I say this all the time, always follow the money. I'm old and I've been around a long time. And follow the money turns out to be a good guiding principle when you try to discover what's really going on in a, in a corrupt world, okay, a dysfunctional world. And there is no other reason. It isn't pushing vaccines, the COVID vaccines, experimental, has nothing, I don't think, any more to do with what, what Fauci did to begin with. Is it about saving lives? Well, not really, because if Fauci had been honest, he would have admitted and allowed the early treatment. And out of, we now officially have over 600 deaths, COVID deaths, 
I can tell you, as Peter McCullough has also confirmed what I have said in my book, over 500,000 of those deaths could have, should have been prevented, okay? So the, the vaccination emphasis, in a sense, really isn't about saving lives. If you look at all of the data correctly, it's about making, and I want to emphasize the number, trillions of dollars, not billions, we're talking about trillions of dollars that are going to be made from vaccines, the COVID vaccines globally, globally. I, I, I find it amusing that it, there was a new story in a couple of weeks ago. I think like nine Pfizer executives have become billionaires already. This is only, what, six months into <laughs> using the vaccines or whatever. You know, they're already all becoming billionaires. Uh, Someone pointed out the other day, if you looked at Pfizer's financial statements over the last five or 10 years, their numbers of sales and profits were going down, not going up, going down, okay? The, The, what Fauci did was create a new financial bonanza, a market that would boost up the sales and profits of the major drug companies who were having problems, okay, because generics had come onto the scene in a big way. They were losing business. Now vaccines come along, COVID vaccines, and it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And by the way, some of that money is slowing right back to Fauci and his colleagues at NIH because they did deals, patent deals, where they are getting royalties individually and also to his unit at NIH. So billions are flowing back from the billions and trillions that the drug manufacturers are making from the COVID vaccines. This is all about the money. Now, I know there are other conspiracy theories out there as to why the pandemic, you know, was created. I have a hard time believing some of all of those conspiracy theories. I think it's all about the money. I think it's just a corrupt, evil system. Evil. I like the word evil. I think Fauci is evil. I think I think all of these people running now the federal agencies. My God. Is FDA evil? Is CDC evil? They put out data every day. I read the Washington Post and I'm seeing, I can read their articles and see that the data that they're reporting from CDC is a distortion. It's it's just not correct information that's coming out. They still are not admitting the truth about breakthrough infections. I wrote an article, I think uh, two months ago, that CDC stopped collecting data Stop collecting data, it's hard to believe, on breakthrough infections on people who were not going to the hospital or dying. So they didn't want to count all of the hundreds of thousands probably of people getting vaccinated people, getting breakthrough infections, but not serious enough to end up in a hospital or dying. But the the statistics would have been very useful for us to learn. And I did some calculations in a recent article I did about this, where I took state data 
and extrapolated it to the national level. And what it showed me was that the official CDC numbers are grossly, grossly underestimating the extent of breakthrough infections and deaths from, from the breakthrough infections. So you can't trust the data coming out of CDC. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. Fauci has, in the last week, has been giving these clues in his interviews. Oh, yes, he expects within days that FDA will give full approval, full approval to these COVID vaccines. I'll tell you, as bad as things are now, with the mandates for people trying to get back to work, employers have mandates, you know, uh, hospitals have mandates, schools and colleges have vaccine mandates. And what Fauci is saying, oh, in a few days, FDA will give full approval. And what he says openly, once FDA gives full approval to these vaccines, then there'll be more mandates, more mandates. Mm-hmm. And and w- what is so crazy is people who have natural immunity, and I'm going to go back to a little science here, medical science. If you have natural immunity because you once got infected, if you have natural immunity and then get one of these COVID vaccines, that is the most dangerous thing for you to do from a medical perspective. That is the combination of artificial immunity on top of your natural immunity will totally screw up your immune system and probably make you more vulnerable, absolutely make you more vulnerable to serious medical problems. And yet the government has not instituted any way for people to show through testing that they have natural immunity. They only want you to have a card like I have, saying I got vaccinated, okay? What can you do if you have natural immunity? I'm sure most children probably have natural immunity, okay? But you can't, you can't get a test done easily and any kind of government proof that you have natural immunity. So that's not being counted as equivalent to artificial vaccination immunity. And I can tell you, because I was reading it yesterday, Zelenko, Dr. Zelenko, has openly said that natural immunity is a zillion times better than the artificial immunity. And again, that explains, and I I think CDC is beginning to lie about people with natural immunity are getting infected. That's not what data shows coming out of Israel and the UK. What they're showing is the people going into hospitals in those countries are vaccinated people. Again, overwhelmingly, they are vaccinated people who now have come down with serious COVID problems. They're actually making us believe that the the problem, and, and it's being spun that it's the unvaccinated, that more unvaccinated people are dying at a at a at, a, at an alarming rate. You know, you got, and, and it's all in it, in my opinion, it's all in an effort to coerce. And, and frighten people that aren't vaccinated into running to get this COVID. Oh God, I need to be saved, you know? And, you know, they're playing in and sensationalizing fears and fear mongering of, of, of all of this, you know, when I, a lot of the times when, when people 
say something to me about not being vaccinated, the first thing I ask them is, okay, well, where are you getting your information? And a lot of them don't want to tell you because they know that they haven't done their own research. They know that they're listening to, to like Fox news or mainstream media and they don't, they don't want to hear anything else about that. And I believe a lot of it has to do with their, uh, uh, it's, uh, what's that thing? It's, uh, like what you had. They're, they're scared that all this other information's coming out, but they want to double down instead of, you know what I mean? Instead of admitting that they made a mistake and that they're fearful of, of, you know, what could ha- possibly happen to them of the things that are coming out. And you could see it. You could see it in, in, in any of it. Cause I don't argue with anybody. I mean, it, it, to me, it's like, if you feel like that's what you need to do to protect yourself and your family, your body, your choice, you know what I mean? Do what you got to do. That's going to make you, you know, sleep better at night for me, from what I'm, I'm watching and what I'm seeing. And, and I have no problem with sitting down with somebody and say, Hey, let me see what you're watching and then watch what I'm watching and, and let's see something. Cause maybe I'm missing something. You know, maybe I'm not seeing something right, and, but nobody will ever do that. It's, you know, oh, no, you're a whatever, you know what I mean? And it's, it's so frustrating when, like, I'm not condemning you, so why are you condemning me? <laughs> can, I, can I make a point? Uh, you know, one advantage that I'm trying to educate and inform the public, okay? So when I publish my articles... They have links filled with links that people can click on and go to my sources of information. These are the medical articles or other things that are out there in the literature or on other websites. So I'm filling, I'm trying to educate the public because they're not being well informed or educated through mainstream media or through corporate social media. So I, what can I do? I, <laughs> I don't even deal. I've never been on social media. I don't want to deal with it. But my articles give people the opportunity. Spend a few minutes. Click on some of those links in my articles. Every article I do is filled with links. I want people to go to good websites. There there are two websites now that you can see all the videos of all the people who have died or been injured from the blood clotting problem. Sean. Uh, one of them is healthimpactnews.com. The other one is, oh, God, I always forget the I write it down now. The other one is 1000, and it's the number 1000covidstories.com. 1000storiescovid.com. And both of those sites are great. I go to them every day. And if you want to, it's kind of, if you want to get bummed out, <laughs> this is not. <laughs> A pleasure, mind you, to see the videos, the heartbreaking, I mean heartbreaking stories of people, these are from their relatives who have died from soon after getting vaccinated. And I want to emphasize all of the research shows, and Dr. Zelenko has said this too, normally these people from the blood problem are dying within days or a couple of weeks of their last shot. So it's normally happening fairly quickly, but these, again, from large clots, I think, not from the microscopic clots. We don't know the the long-term, but 
if you go to those two, those are the two best websites I've discovered <laughs> that if you want to say, well, I want more proof, are people really suffering and dying from blood clots soon after they get vaccinated? You bet your ass they are. And these people who are doing these videos, it's, it's like, I remember, you know, there was on the Holocaust, what did they do in the decades after World War II? And it's one of the rich guys who did this. They created all of these videos of the survivors of the Holocaust, right? So you could look at these videos and hear from witnesses, people who were in the concentration camps, okay? And read, I mean, see their stories. So you could really better understand the Holocaust. So what do we have now? And by the way, I bring this up because in Europe, what are they talking about? They're talking about the Nuremberg trials and that the COVID vaccines, experimental, should be related to a huge population experiment of for people not being well informed when they get the vaccination shot, okay? And there are people in Europe, not in the U.S. so much, who are saying there should be criminal prosecutions under the (laughs) Nuremberg Code, okay, for all of this gross experimentation, putting these vaccines into your bodies. And the other thing that I haven't mentioned today with you, Sean, we've had medical tyranny kill medical freedom. I want to emphasize that. And I wrote an article about this. Medical tyranny killing medical freedom. What does that mean? Is that f- Medical freedom is the freedom of physicians to give their patients what they think is the best medical treatment, best medicine, best vaccine. We've killed that for doctors in our country. And the other side of medical freedom is that you and me as individuals should have the medical freedom to put into our bodies what we think are the proper medicines and vaccines that we want in our own personal bodies, okay? So medical tyranny, this is what we have going on in this country. Tyranny, killing medical freedom for everyone. And so only a handful of physicians, I want to emphasize, there are probably only maybe a dozen, two dozen physicians, if you follow the literature, like you mentioned Simone Gold, for Mm -hmm. example, and how about Harvey Reich from Yale University, uh, Peter McCullough in Texas, uh, uh, George Fareed in in California. I could go on and on, but I probably couldn't go, if I sat down, I probably couldn't make a list of even 20 doctors, physicians with great credentials, who were speaking openly in the public about all the screw-ups in in the pandemic management because 80 or 90% of physicians in the United States work for hospital systems Mm -hmm. and hospital systems obey the NIH, CDC, FDA guidance, okay? And that's why they're not prescribing to their patients hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. That's why they're not speaking out openly Okay, what's really going on? And uh, and Fauci, now I saw the latest number, he's giving out $5 billion a year in grants to physicians doing research, university doctors, okay? <laughs> All, you know, that's a lot of money. So you have most of the medical research establishment 
financially dependent on NIH and Fauci's money, okay? Are they going to speak out? No. Are they going to publish all of their research results that are contrary to what the government is saying? I don't think so. So it, <laughs> that's well, the system. Well, Joe Rogan, even on his podcast, uh, when he was talking, I can't remember who he was talking to. It was one of his latest episodes. He was saying that tons of doctors are, are reaching out to him, but they won't come out uh publicly because they're afraid of what's going to happen to them of being canceled being you know labeled being any of the things that could possibly happen and another thing that what you're talking about when you're talking about the uh, nih and the cdc and fauci and you know how he controls all of that and the narrative comes down from the bureaucracies of the yeah. of the actual uh, hospitals themselves you know like kaiser is a foundation yeah. right um you know you're not going to go against anything that your your uh, ceo or whoever's running that corporation right and if you do, you're going to get fired. And how many of these doctors that are in these these organizations are, are still trying to pay off extreme uh, medical, uh, like their their schooling, right? Yes. And so they've got these huge numbers that they get saddled with when they come out of medical school, which is sometimes in the upwards of half a million dollars that they've got to pay off, pay back. And the only way that they're going to be able to do that is by working at these hospitals to make the money to yeah. be able to fund that that payment. Yeah. You know, you get blacklisted from one of the uh, the hospitals that you're working for. You're not going to get hired back to anywhere because you're not playing within the system, right? Because it's all it's all to me. It's like this labyrinth of of coercion, this, that, that, you know what I mean? It's almost like a maze. And like the, the minute you think you're going to veer from that, there's a boom, there's a, there's a roadblock and, oh, well, can't go that way. And then you just figure out finally, you know, what is a, what is a, a rat do in a maze that can't get out? They just succumb and say, oh, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? I might as well just, I'm not going to be able to fight it. So I might as well just join along. I, I give you, here's an interesting example. There's a doctor, um, uh, Macari from Johns Hopkins, okay, Johns Hopkins, that I kind of have a connection with. Uh, and he goes out uh, a week or two ago and bra with bravery and says that don't believe the CDC numbers on the children's deaths from COVID because he has his team look into the data and he says none of these kids really died from COVID-19. I see him on, on television yesterday. He's, he's a, he goes on, I think, Fox News a lot or whatever. And what is he now saying, though? <laughs> I used to think, well, I can trust this guy a lot. Yesterday, he was saying, well, everyone should get vaccinated. <laughs> you know, I don't think he would have said that a month or two ago. But I think there's some pressure on Hopkins because there are lots of other Hopkins doctors who, when they get access to the media, are not talking like Dr. Makari is talking, okay? But I think pressure was probably put on him. So now he has to come out and say, yeah, you should get vaccinated, okay? And this is the problem with the what I call the establishment medical world, okay? And that's why I said to you, at the end of every article, with a document, document, the blood clot problem, I, every article, even out of the UK, okay, they, every article ends with a sentence or a little paragraph that says, ah, statistically, this is not really that big a problem. Uh, everyone should still get vaccinated. 
I find that just incredible. That what are they doing, Sean? They're protecting themselves, yeah. right? They're getting published with data that shows a vaccine problem, but in order to protect their livelihood, okay, and their funding, at the end of the article, they're saying, but still get vaccinated. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, I'm gonna let me get to some of these comments. You know, sorry you guys that I've just been into the conversation and I haven't paid attention to these comments. Uh, Pamela, hey there. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm back. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how long this will last. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a, it's a good thing. Thank you. Um, I've heard this a lot too: graphene oxide, the graphene that they're finding in the blood. So we'll get back. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Melissa, there are many times I've heard government and smart in the same, or no, there, yeah, many times I've heard government and smart in the same sentence. It's an oxymoron, actually, I think. <laughs> um, the more we learn, the more confusing it gets. And uh, amen, brother. If anybody has anything that they want to ask a question, or if you're watching along, we got five viewers um, that, you know, if you're having some of the same concerns that I'm having and the reason why I'm having uh, Dr. Hirshhorn on here, uh, feel free to ask a question in the comments, uh, wherever you're watching from. Uh, and I, another thing that I want to comment on, too, is that, you know, even Dr. Malone on the Union of the Unwanted was being very careful with what he was saying. Yes. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. He was being very curated. Do you know why, Sean? Why? <laughs> Right now, Malone gets all, virtually all of his funding from the Department of Defense. That's mm. still the federal government, okay? So I love Malone. He's a great, truthful guy, wonderful man. Uh, my wife used to work with him years ago. So he's a great guy. But he also depends on the federal government for his funding, okay? Mm. So when I listen to him, I also... Don't hear certain things, okay? He's not going to talk as openly as I talk, okay, about some of these issues. He, he's a great scientist, a great researcher. But again, he admits it. He, he has said he works for the Defense Department now. He gave up, basically, <laughs> on getting money from NIH mm -hmm. at some point. So he got it because he is a great researcher and scientist. He's being well-funded out of the Defense Department. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, you know, what do you, what are you, gonna, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to, you know, be able to support yourself, right? right? And, you know, the people that are talking out about this are folks that are privately funded, you know what I mean? They have their own private, you know, privately uh, practices. They're yes. able to say whatever they want to say without, without the fear of, um, you know, being fired, although there, there is now the fear of being uh, delicensed, right? You're losing, and, people are losing their licenses. That's true. And the other thing, again, they are losing their hospital positions. Again, this has happened now to a number of doctors that I know of where they lost their positions in, their ho in a hospital. And, and they were making, you know, that's, that was a 50% of the income of one of, of a typical doctor can come from the work they do in a hospital. So when they lose a hospital position, this is a serious economic impact. And this has happened to a number of physicians. The issue of losing their license has also happened. And they've had to fight 
to save their licenses with state agencies, okay? This is done at the state level. Uh, so there are repercussions going on. There are There is a censorship going on uh, with regard to physicians who speak out. Now, most of the ones speaking out are what we call independent physicians. They do not belong to a hospital system, okay? This is true for Zelenko and Fareed and... Uh, and many others. Those are the ones who belong to America's Frontline Doctors and the other uh, group, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. These are independent doctors, but I've looked at the statistics. The number of doctors who belong to both of those organizations in the United States is probably not even 5%, probably just a few percent of all the doctors in the United States. So keep that in mind. Only a very small fraction of physicians in the United States are openly involved in this debate, trying to get the truth out, who belong to these two organizations. And again, you can't go to your ordinary doctor and get the help that you would like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tried it. I failed. Uh, I may try again. I'm going to go back to my... <laughs> primary care doc who belongs to a, a big hospital system also. I said, I really think you could justify giving me ivermectin now <laughs> and, and try it. I'm going to try it once again. Uh, but, but I think I probably will fail because these doctors, he, he immediately punches into his computer. Uh, what can he, for what medical condition can he prescribe ivermectin? And he's going to, you know, what, there is no, in, in all these computer systems, you can't justify giving out a medication for COVID-19 <laughs> virus uh, infection. That's not in the computer systems, okay? <laughs> there is no medicine, no medicine, I want to emphasize, that these doctors can give you, right, an ordinary doctor, in order to say, because you have a, a fear of getting COVID-19 infection or have it, okay? Which is a prophylactic, it, right? Yeah, a prophylactic, okay? So, yeah, the only thing they'll tell you is get vaccinated, and uh, and that's the end of the story. You know, ivermectin can actually be you, – you can find that in uh, feed stores. They give it to, uh, to animals, Horses. right? Horses yeah. and stuff like I, that. I read about this, but it's kind of dangerous because then you got to do a lot of research on what is the dose that you should be taking on a, mm. on a daily basis. So I'm a little bit fearful, and I don't know whether the quality of the ivermectin is it that's being you know commercialized for animals is that going to be the same quality as a prescription you know pill ivermectin that that you would get? So I'm a little nervous when I read the same things about people promoting uh, getting animal ivermectin. There's no reason to do that. You go to those two websites, those two organizations, mm -hmm. and I, I have gotten feedback on this. It works, okay? You, it, they, they use telemedicine. So oh, yeah. you, get oh, yeah. you get connected with a physician somewhere in the United States. He, he, you do a telemedicine visit, okay, with the doctor. And on that basis, he's able to give you a prescription. And from what I hear, uh, he can get that prescription sent to your local pharmacy. By the way, the other problem, you may not know this, there are pharmacies around the United States, 
including some CVS pharmacies, who will not fill a prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin if it's indicated or if you tell them that you're, you're taking this for COVID-19 use. And wow, whew, this is pharmacies, mind you. Mm. Again, loss of medical freedom, <laughs> medical tyranny here. But this, there's no doubt about this. this is, there have been a number of accounts uh, of this happening around the country. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> what I want to do is I want to uh, play a a uh, a six minute clip. Do you got time for that? Okay, and it's a six minute clip on something that's had six million views, uh, and it's a guy who's a doctor, and he's talking to. You may have seen this too on Twitter. He was talking to a, a school board of directors, and I believe the reason why is because of the mask mandates. Right. The, the, the piece of cloth that doesn't do any good for anybody. I mean, it's just, you know, even on the boxes of some of these masks, they say that they will not it will not stop infection. <laughs> and people swear to God that that, you know, they're they're doing the right thing. But I mean, they're they're people that are listening to, you know, Fauci, they're listening to CDC, they're going and listening to mainstream media, which is telling them the absolute worst for uh for them so i'm gonna go ahead and share screen and play this and then tell me afterwards what you think um of what this guy is saying because to me it makes absolute sense and it's like oh my god you know but i just don't get how people aren't aren't they're they're following like nonsense dr dan stock uh, 5777 west 700 north mccordsville indiana um, to, to address your comment about, geez, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful. And we're getting our sources of information from the Anna State Board of Health and the CDC, who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies <laughs> sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. 
Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual done the wrong way, which why it cannot be done right for a respiratory virus, which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. In fact, in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra, there will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself, knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance. And instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but has suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID-19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital and we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxyvitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to through one quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxyvitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual.
I don't blame this board for that because I know you aren't scientists and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health. But I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, what do you think of that? Uh, you know, I, I actually had seen that, I think it was yesterday, somewhere, some channel. Well, he deserves a Nobel Prize. He deserves, you know. Uh, I agree with absolutely everything he said. This guy is so smart and so knowledgeable I, I and so articulate. Uh, he's absolutely correct. Uh, all he knows the science. He knows the research. Uh, guy is, and he's just an ordinary. I assume family sounds like a family physician. Mm-hmm. He's he's used the the treatments that that I advocate, and he's made a good point. That very important point that the people with natural immunity should not get vaccinated. In fact, if they do, they're going to have some serious health impacts. That's the worst combination is natural immunity, and then add artificial immunity from a vaccine. Everything he said, I applaud. Uh, He's wonderful, but uh, I'm amazed at his courage. He will probably suffer some serious consequences for what he did. But the guy, uh, everyone should watch that that video. I saw it on some alternative (laughs) TV channel. Uh, Yeah, it's great. I agree with everything he said. Another thing that I that I'm seeing too a lot of is uh, myocarditis, the inflammation. Yeah, coming out and kid like even even younger uh, teenagers are suffering. I saw a a um, uh, I saw something where a, a woman got her son vaccinated and then immediately he you know ended up with this myocarditis and in the hospital. Uh, from that adverse reaction, it. Uh, but I mean, of course, none of it's going to get covered by mainstream media. They're they're really. I I just don't I don't I don't understand. I mean, it really feels like that the majority of the population around the world is expendable to these elites, right? Or or you know the the ruling class, the corporate class, uh, you know the corporation. I mean, we I, I really feel like we are just disposable, uh, you know, and, and not really worth much in their eyes. <laughs> I, I think the, uh, it, luckily that inflammation problem you, you spoke about normally can be uh, treated pretty well and fairly quickly uh, by a physician or in a hospital. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it's, <clears throat> in, in most cases, it's not a fatal situation, I do believe, and I haven't seen the research on this, so I'm speculating a little bit, but I I am sure in my heart that it is also due to the spike protein. It's circulating in the body. And I want to emphasize Pfizer and all those other companies, when they did their testing and when FDA gave them emergency use authorization, there was a presumption 
that the spike protein would not be flowing throughout people's bodies. Either they didn't know that it would happen or they lied about it, okay? But it's that spike protein which is screwing up people's blood vessels, okay? And I think when you talk about inflammation, you can think in your mind, there is a spike, you know, it is physically something abnormal. It is a spike protein molecule, okay? And that, I, I say, is probably uh, causing the inflammation. Uh, I haven't, you know, I, I haven't seen good research on this, but I don't see any other way to, to, to think about this. Now, why are some people vulnerable, some people, some children vulnerable to the inflammation and vulnerable to the clotting and platelet reduction? What, that's what we don't know. What is there something genetically that some people have some sort of thing in their genetic <laughs> makeup that's making them vulnerable, susceptible to the bad effects of these vaccines? Because let's face it, even I have to admit and look at the statistical reality. We've had many, many millions of people get vaccines, uh, these vaccines. And, you know, they're not dropping dead on the streets. <laughs> it's not like a science fiction movie, okay? So there's something that we don't quite understand yet scientifically. What is there that is making people vulnerable to the inflammation, to the clotting, to the drop in platelet counts. All of this is going on, but statistically, in terms of what we're seeing, in terms of the reporting, it is still a relatively small fraction of all the millions and millions of shots that have been given. So that is the ugly reality. But I, as I say, for people who are thinking about getting vaccinated, it's like Russian roulette. How do you know <laughs> whether you're in that category and vulnerable to getting a blood clot or a bleed in your brain three days or a week after you get your shot? You don't know that. And what I hear, I mean, I read the comments from Pfizer <laughs> and these companies, and they say, well, you know, we're studying this, you know, and it didn't show up in our, our testing, our clinical testing that they did to get the FDA emergency use authorization. Well, why didn't it show up? Because the testing, as most of the physicians and researchers that I respect, the testing was inadequate. It was too quick. You know, we used to hear that to get a vaccine, it would take three years or five years. Why? Because they would do really extensive testing on different types of people. And what they did in, in the case of these COVID vaccines, they excluded from the testing all kinds of segments of the population. They excluded sick elderly people. They excluded pregnant women. They excluded people who knew, they knew who had gotten a COVID infection. These were all excluded from the testing. And, uh, and children also. And so, you know, the testing was like a game, okay? It was all de devised by Pfizer and, and, and all the other companies working with Fauci and FDA. The testing was done. It was like a scheme, like a scam, okay? 
to do just enough testing to get enough data to get FDA to give the emergency use authorization. The, te- the testing was done, what, in less than six months, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy. But that's why you can't rely on what FDA and CDC and NIH has said for these vaccines because the testing was inadequate. Yes, I, I heard it say, that, uh, I think it was in the union of one they were talking about it, that uh, they used it, the PCR testing, as like a volume, right? And it, when, you want, when, you want, when you want to turn up, you know, the amount of positives, you know, they get the, uh, the, the PCR test that's at like, what, 45, 42? And, and it should be less than like 20, uh, yeah. Yeah, like seven. And well, no, no, seven is actually the amount of people that are transmitting uh, the virus, that, the variant, right? The, I think the, the variant is, it goes between seven people versus the, the original oh. COVID. Well, there's some sort of number that... Yeah, that... I, mean, I, I just want to explain. What, what, the game that was played by Fauci and, and the federal agencies... In order to promote the vaccine strategy, okay, they had to get high numbers of what they call COVID cases. What the hell are COVID cases? They are absolutely meaningless. The, the PCR test, which is the main test used, is, is legally, it says, it cannot be used to diagnose anything. It's not a diagnostic test. And it says it has to say it legally. Well, what the game was, what the scam was, they had to get the numbers of cases high so that every day you would read in the newspaper of tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of cases, okay? Why? It was to create a kind of panic in the public, to create a need, okay, a demand for the vaccines. So all of the case data is next to meaningless, okay? It's it's stupid. If you want to, you know, now there's sophisticated blood testing and other kinds of, of testing for COVID that can be done, probably more expensively. Uh, but the normal PCR test, yes, it's in my book. I, I knew it. I wrote my book many months ago. <laughs> And I pointed that out then. So we know, we've known the truth. And I, I want to emphasize this, Sean. I can go back. My book came out at the end of January. And I have all of this information in the book that masking does not work. I had data from studies that said masking does not work. I had information criticizing the PCR testing. So... What I want to emphasize is the the truth that we're trying to get out today. So much of what that great doctor said in that in that video, we have known the truth for many many months. Okay, we knew it back back in last year in 2020. The data on the treatments working, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. When did that data? Important point. When did that data first come out? in a really easily accessible way. It came out in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. That's when I saw, started to see the data from Zelenko and uh, Dr. Didier in France. And it became clear that this data was compelling, that the generics 
were working. Zelenko, Zelenko had a lot of patients, elderly sick patients, right? Mm-hmm. He immediately gave them his cocktail, hydroxy, zinc, uh, a cheap antibiotic. Bang. Within days, they were cured. No more symptoms, okay? So this goes back to March of 2020. I want to emphasize this. So, and in all the other things we're talking about today, we've had data for six months or a year, you know. The government knew about it too because Dr. Corey Pierre had a, and that's his last name, right, Pierre? His, uh, I don't know. Pierre Corey. Pierre Corey, all right. Yeah, Dr. Corey had... um, uh, a Senate hearing. He was in a Senate hearing around that yeah. same time. You know, Senator so, Johnson. Yeah, they yeah. they all they all knew about it. <laughs> Johnson is the the only two good senators who are about about the pandemic. It's it's Johnson and what's the other guy? I'm blanking out on the other guy's name. Uh, but Rand, it's only two, Rand Paul. Rand Paul, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, those are the only two senators out of 100 senators. Those are the only two, right? Mm-hmm. And Rand Paul is a doctor, of course. But Johnson, yes, terrific. Uh, he's done several hearings and brought in all of these good people telling the truth. What has it resulted in? <laughs> it hasn't changed a thing about the way the federal government is managing the pandemic. That, that's the reality. Therefore, the pandemic blunder, right? Yes. <laughs> There's a good segue into your book. Um, two more things, and I'm going to let you go. All right. One of them is, is can a vaccinated person go and uh, get a D-dimer uh, test on their own? Not on their own. Uh, it would have to be ordered by a doctor. Will a doctor order that test if you go in uh-huh. and say, hey, I'm concerned about, you know, you probably you probably wouldn't if you if you told them the real reason. I suspect not. I haven't tried it. My next mm-hmm. my next visit to the doctor that I make, I'm going to try two things. I'm going to try to get him to give me an order for a D-dimer test and uh, a prescription for ivermectin. I will try those two in my next visit. Uh, I suspect. I don't know how many doctors will do the D-dimer test. I don't. I don't think it's an expensive test. But it's not, you know, if you if you go in, like I twice a year, I get a normal kind of uh, a blood test for a lot of things, just a normal test. The D-dimer is not on that list, okay? It's, it's not one of the things that's included on a normal sort of comprehensive blood test. So it, it's a special kind of test. Okay. Now my next question is, is if you're unvaccinated, can you get, can you ask your doctor to get a test for antibodies? Yes, you can ask a doctor for that, and there are and there are uh, several good tests uh, to do that. Yes. Now, will he? <laughs> the question is, and that's an expensive test, by the way. You got to then worry. Some people have to worry: Will my insurance cover the D-dimer test or the antibody test? Who knows? I don't know whether Medicare will cover it or other insurance. But yes, a doctor would have to uh, get you that kind of test. Okay, and last one. Now, for the Delta variant, are the early treatment protocols still good for yes. for the Delta variant? Well, you know, Sean, I'll be honest with you and your audience. Twice a day, I take my, my version of the Zelenko protocol. I take high dose of vitamin C, high 
high dose of vitamin D, zinc, and quercetin. You got to get quercetin. Quercetin is a substitute for hydroxychloroquine. Okay? It works the same way in your body. So, I take that cocktail. It's in my book also. I've been taking it for a long time now. My wife also. We take it twice a day. And the reason is, you've got to keep your natural immune system at a high level. How do you do that? I take some other supplements too. Mushroom supplements. And there's all kinds of good things that you can take to improve your natural uh, immunity. And that's what you've got to do with regard to worrying about, you know, variant of one sort or another. Believe me, when this variant drops in popularity, there'll be another variant that will get the attention of, of the media. Why? Oh, here, here is one uh, that I found was interesting. And, and why isn't a flu shot called a flu vaccine? <laughs> That's an interesting question. You know what uh, I mean? I mean, it's just, uh, the same thing. I mean, what we're fighting is seems to be the same sort of a thing. Yeah. Why isn't that? A... I, I think many people would call it. Uh, I think medical people would call it a vaccine. But I, here's something very interesting. You brought this up. I'm going to tell you something that nobody, nobody uh, has probably said very publicly. I have on my computer, I have saved, I think, three research articles. What do these research articles tell me. They all come to the same conclusion. A flu shot or a flu vaccine adds protection against the COVID-19 virus. It's an amazing finding, the newest one out of a medical school, University of Miami, I think. And a lot of these studies have all come to the same conclusion. And they, they can't quite explain it except to say that I get the flu shots. I've been doing it for years. I get it every year. And if you're older like me, you get an extra strong flu shot. It seems to do something to make your immune system better. That's the basic, the medical explanation why they're finding these results. And they've done controlled studies. Here's a group of people who got the flu shot. Here's another group didn't get the flu shot. What do they find? The group that got the flu shot either didn't get the COVID-19 virus or they had a, a much uh, lower sort of uh, uh, mortality and, and sickness level. from. So we know the flu shots seem to work. And the explanation that most seems logical and reasonable is that they boost your immune system. They help boost your immune system. So, okay. And in fact, there's a term that I read and I can't quite, I can't remember it right now, but there's a medical term that's being used to explain why the flu shots uh, improve your immune system and why that helps fight against the COVID-19 virus. So, I mean, there is a kind of rational medical uh, explanation. Do you think that we're headed for, you know, we're coming into the end of the summer and we're going into, um, you know, the colder colder yeah. weather do you think we're headed for a whole nother you know once the flu season pops up and and you know all this stuff comes out again and and I, you know i oh man i just it's it's scary man i mean it, it, it's because yeah. <laughs> especially if you don't know if and you're if you're you know you're somebody i mean even i'm kind of 
concerned and yeah. I, I listen to all of the right. the alternative stuff right i don't listen to mainstream at all i listen i get my and for people out there if you want to know where i get my information from i i watch uh sager or breaking points with sager and uh crystal ball you know they were fr- formerly from the hill uh they had a show on there called uh, i can't remember what it was but you know, they're both one of them's conservative, one of them's liberal, and they just tell the truth. You know, uh, I watch Jimmy Dore, I watch the Union of the Unwanted, I watch the Ripple Effect podcast, Truthzilla. I, you know, there's a lot of different stuff that I watch out there. I listen to Rogan constantly, and all the people that he has on his show. Uh, so I, there's a, a whole myriad of different perspectives that I'm getting that aren't being curated. You know, right. by by mainstream media, and then it's up to me to decide. You know what I want to believe out of that and, you know, cross-referencing with other stuff and, you know, just watching different things, you know, people getting, a lot of people don't understand the cancel culture or the, the, uh, uh, deplatforming because they're not involved in, in social media like I am, you know what I mean? They don't have a lot of people that are, you know, getting kicked off of stuff because most people are so busy. They, they don't have time for this shit. Right. 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 And I, I tell you, I did a podcast yesterday it turns out that there's a woman who has a major podcast. Her name is Laura Lynn. It's mm. the Laura Lynn Show. Amazing time. show. It's, it's big time, Sean. It's like a big production. She has a big staff. It's like 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 NBC or CBS. It, it, she has a, a system, and she's so popular in many countries. Mm-hmm. I do her show yesterday. She is like you open to complete honesty about the pandemic. She lets me say anything I want. I, it's a long uh, conversation I have with her. She's wonderful. I go to Amazon site this morning. I, I track my book, my ranking of my pandemic blunder. Mm-hmm. Overnight, being on her show has caused this incredible increase in sales of my book. So her podcast is reaching zillions of people, apparently. She mm-hmm. says it goes to many countries, not just Canada or in the U.S. And uh, so podcasts are still the, the way to get truth. Uh, getting back to your point, where do you get your news? You got to get it from alternative news sites, like the sites I publish on the websites, Okay, I WND, I think, is terrific. Uh, COQ report is terrific. Life site news is terrific. I have stopped publishing on one site, which I was doing a lot. All of a sudden, the guy who runs the website says, well, you got to buy a subscription (laughs) to to read the articles. I I said, no way. Um, I I don't like that at all. So I'm not. I can. I won't do exclusive stuff on his site anymore. But I think if you want the truth, it's good websites. Uh, that 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 site I mentioned, Health Impact News. I love it. Healthimpactnews.com. It is a terrific website on the pandemic uh, issue. Okay, so podcasts and good websites, alternative news sites. Yep, that's it, man. You want to, it will blow your mind. This guy who runs this site, he gets, he gets news from all over the world. He gets incredible stories. He puts out data. I love it because he has stories filled with data. 
good data, especially out of Europe. He's very good on getting stuff out of Europe. So that's one of these great websites that, that I, every day it's up on my computer. I never take it off. I look at it several times a day. Uh, so that all I can say is, you know, God bless the podcasters, uh, uh, people like you and, and these great websites uh, and the sites that I can publish my articles on. Uh, I, have a, um, I have a new article, and now I don't know where to publish it because it's very long. I've gone into a really deep, deep analysis of the blood problem, okay? So now I've got a, an article that's 6,000 words. Most, most of my published articles, it may be 1,000 or 2,000 words. So now I'm up to 6,000 words, and I'm trying to figure out where can I get such a long article published. And this is not, this is a challenge for me. One of my colleagues that I love, another guy you can respect is a, a Dr. Paul Alexander. He's, he, he's now an academic in Canada. Paul Alexander, if you ever hear him or see him, trust everything he says. He's wonderful, wonderful, Paul Alexander. Um, and uh, he has recommended a site that I'm going to try to get uh, a, a very long article published. But I may go to Substack. You probably know about Substack. Yeah, uh, Kyle Kalinsky's on Substack. A lot of a lot of good uh, journalists uh, publish their stuff on on Substack now. Yeah, so I, I may think about uh, going to that for a very long article. It's too long for most of the websites I I usually publish on. Well, I mean, yeah, podcasts are, I mean, it's the last place that you're going to get long form conversations that you're not going to get on, you know, like a news channel where you got what, three, three to five minutes of of something. And then it's like, okay, well, how how do I figure anything out in three to five minutes? You know what I mean? That's how long it takes me to, to, you know, to get into the conversation. And then I got to figure out if you're full of shit or not, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of a crazy way to go, but I mean, they're coming after us too. You know, they're, they're slowly trying, they're slowly trying. And by the way, you know, the the Canadian show that I did yesterday, Laura Lynn and and other, you know, that other podcasters are doing the same thing. She begins her show on YouTube. And then when she gets a guest like me on, it switches over. I think she was switching over, uh, she has numerous platforms. I think the first one was Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey is a good one. But my wife looked this morning, and the show that I did yesterday is on a zillion platforms, okay? The reach of her show is amazing, okay? It's a big production. But she let me talk. I think I was on an hour or more, and uh, it was great. It was great. So, uh so I keep trying to get new podcasts. It's not easy. I'm sort of running out now yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of shows, but uh, I keep trying. Well, I'll continue to have you on as as the uh, you know the 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 game unfolds <laughs> that we're playing. Oh yeah, because there's there's new data. I want to emphasize there's new data coming out literally every day. It takes me many hours a day to keep following the scientific medical literature. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like we're playing like uh, what is it uh, three card Monty, you know what I mean? You ever see this or the shell game? And it's like oh, you you go to the street people, you know, yeah. and they're they're playing that game. I feel like this is what we're doing with with all this information because you know it's like okay, well that's got to be the right answer. You pull it up and like ah, damn it, not fo- <laughs> foiled again. You know yeah. what I mean? 
So yeah, yeah I, I just I want to thank you, and I appreciate everything that you're doing, and and all the time that you've uh, you know put into this and researching and and coming up with these numbers, and because a lot of us don't understand any of that stuff, they don't know you know where to look first of all, and then if they do know where to look, like how do you make sense of it? Right, because we're just average everyday people. Most of us are are working, you know, uh, most of the time, and you know they don't. They just want to be able to come somewhere and get some information and not have to be a uh, investigative journalist to figure out the truth. Right, 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 sure. And that's where it comes from. You know, we want to make sure that our, our our families are safe, our children, you know, are are not being hurt, or or you know what I mean. It's and I think that most people want the same things across the yeah. world, not just in America. I mean, across the 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 United the the you know the population of the world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, anything else that you want to uh, say before we uh, head out of here? Thank you, Sean. Appreciate the opportunity. Always. Uh, yep, yeah, for sure, uh, Dr. Hershorn. And uh, appreciate you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. So I don't know about you. Um, like, I'm not, I'm not any kind of a medical doctor, and I'm not giving medical advice here. These are just things that, uh, you know, through looking at different data – different studies, different, uh, you know, conversations with other doctors. I'm sure that, you know, Dr. Hirshhorn has come up with his own, you know, information and you know, not his own, but I mean, stuff that's actually proven. And I just, you know, we're in a strange place. Uh, yeah. What? Right. Pamela. Whew, wow. We're in a strange place societally. And the only way that I think that we're going to be able to get through this, um, there are a couple of, of, of ideas that I have or things that I think that, you know, may be coming, uh, especially as New York City has, I think, locked down, not locked down, but uh, there's vaccine passports are now being um, mandated to go to like the gym or to stores. If you can't prove that you've been vaccinated with your, your card, uh, they're not letting you in places. So I don't know if this happens across the board in the United States, what's going to happen? I don't, I don't know if, if this population is going to stand for it. Um, they've been able to push us pretty far without, uh, any pushback from us, but who knows, man? Uh, I would hate to see any of that happen in the future. Um, you know, with taking up to violence or trying to break the system down, but I mean, it really needs to be shooken upside down, taken apart and re and, and re put back together the right way. The corruption is crazy. It's gone out of control. Uh, it's really hard to see in any of our systems, whether it's the financial system, the medical system, the, uh, juvenile, the justice system is another one where there's constantly, uh, there's constantly corruption in, in all of these and like, how do we fix it? You know, how do we fix it when we have a, a media system that is basically doing the bid bidding for the establishment uh, indirectly? You know what I mean? The government is, is basically doing what they can't because of the constitution, but they're using the uh, media companies and the social media companies to do what they need them to do to convince everybody else and scare everybody and, and all that. So I don't know what the answer is. All I know is that it's getting pretty scary. Um, what I'm watching just, I feel like I'm in bizarro world where, you know, what's up is down. What's left is right. What's, you know, you go to look back here and it's like, wow, well, 
it's not there. It's over there. You know, the, 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 what do they call that? Misdirection. So I don't know. Anyways, I hope you that, that you enjoyed the episode. Um, and you know, I gotta say, you know, if you've been following me and you know, you've been missing, you know, some of the stuff that I've been doing because I've been sort of like, uh, (laughs) MIA for like the last month and a half, but I've been dealing with a lot of stuff, man. Um, you know, going through, uh, a bout of what do they call that? Uh, where what's the name of it? Where imposter syndrome? Um, and you know, I've been kind of like trying to observe some of my behaviors. Um, you know, I've been a little bit depressed, and I've and I've kind of traced it back to where it came from, and have been sort of observing it. So hopefully, you know, I'm I'm going to move past this, and you know, like I said, I'm going to release this as a two-parter uh, on the podcast platforms, the audio-only versions like over in iTunes, Spotify, and all that. Uh, if you're following here, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, all the support that that I can get from you guys, I, I definitely appreciate. If you want to support the show monetarily, you can do that too. Um, you can check out my link tree. Go to the website, nowhere to go but up, pod.com. Uh, the link tree is where most of the support, uh, links will be. And that is L I N K T R dot E E forward slash nowhere to go, but up, uh, and I'd appreciate it. You know, uh, this is definitely, uh, something that I really enjoy doing. Um, but having a real job sometimes gets in the way of that. So I'm doing the best that I can and, I hope to see you guys again soon. So uh, until next time, uh, stay true to yourself. Keep it 100 because everything else, my friends, is just noise, it seems. Uh, And thank you, Pamela. I definitely enjoy having you as one of my supporters and look forward to talking to you soon. So thanks, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.